views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Lyme Talk Radio. And welcome for those of you that are thinking, wait a minute, I'm not sure I tuned into Lyme Talk Radio. Well, you're probably thinking, yeah, you did tune into the Dr. Pat show. Or sometimes you're thinking, well, I don't know what I tuned into, but I think it's Transformation Talk Radio. It's all of the above. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. And by the way, we're getting ready to do something very, very cool uh, to educate the world about Lyme disease. So stay tuned for that. Today's show is, uh, again, a story of what it means to move beyond hope and to come into this place where you literally, literally fight for your life, but you do it in a way that is so driven by the the energy and the life force of the universe. That's why today it's it's so great to have Deborah Mia Shelton joining me on the on the show, because you know I I'm somebody that well first of all I grew up uh, on the East Coast and one of my favorite places to go was the Blue Note Cafe down the village, and so mm-hmm. you know being in that environment and and just being able to go down the village and walk in. And just listen to some of the greatest musicians and jazz on the planet. It's just brilliant. But when you take a look at music and the way that Deborah has brought it to the surface, and you get to understand that there's something in the music that literally represents a person's journey, a person's struggle, a person's survival, but more importantly, how to move beyond all of that and tap into the creativity of the universe and bring beauty forward. And that's what Deborah Mia Shelton's about. Today, throughout the show, you're going to hear her fabulous music. This is a little unconventional, the show, and the way we're doing it today, but that's because this is not a conventional conversation. There isn't anything about Lyme disease that I can think about that is conventional. No, uh, except by except for the way that we're showing the lack of support for getting a... <laughs> Getting it taken care of, that's a little bit crazy. But today, fasten your seatbelts and take a journey with us on, you know, this individual's journey through the world of chronic Lyme disease, how it shows up in our lives, what you have to do to get on a pathway to heal yourself, and how you run into angels all along the way. But as you're doing it, you tapped into you a power greater than yourselves. And as a result of that, you bring forth amazing music that you're going to hear today in praise of whole notes. Deborah, great to have you here. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. 
What do you think? Do you, you, do you Blue Note Cafe, you familiar with, with that down in New York? Very familiar, very familiar <laughs> with the Blue Note. I've heard many amazing artists there. Uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised when I, I got to listen to the CD. And what I mean by pleasantly surprised, uh, it was that uh, I get to listen to a lot of music. And the minute that I put the CD in and I listen to, you know, that first track, All Blues, I just listened to it, listened to it. I thought, do I thought, wait a minute, do I even have the right CD? But this is really about having this type of music in particular be something you bring forth to help talk about Lyme disease. Don't you find it fascinating that out of all of the genres that are brought forth, this is a perfect, perfect vibration to talk about Lyme disease, isn't it? <laughs> well, I hadn't ever really thought of that. It's just, this is the music that I do, and yeah. uh, I have found a way to tell my story through it. Yep. Certainly, jazz is all about improvisation, and um, like you said, you the introduction said it all, using the energy of the universe to bring life forward and to bring beauty into the world, and that's how I feel about jazz. So it's been a great vehicle for learning how to speak my truth and tell my story. Well, in you know, here we are, and we're talking about the truth, and we're talking about the story. And, you know, let's just get really clear with our audience in case we are talking with folks that don't know what we mean when we say chronic Lyme disease. So let's take a minute and give folk a refresher course on what that looks like and how it showed up for you. Okay. Well, I've been sick for a total of 17 years. Mm. I contracted Lyme in 1999, and it took four years for them to diagnose what I had. And in those four years, I went from being a vibrant performer and teacher to becoming totally bedridden. And um, I lost the ability to sing because I was, I contracted not only Lyme, but I also got Bartonella, one of the co-infections of Lyme. And um, I had had the Epstein-Barr virus from my teen years and it came out of remission. So I got slammed with these three big different um, viruses and infections. And um, my nasal passages got so swollen that I literally couldn't even hum. Mm. And so I had been a teacher and a performer and month after month, everything fell away until finally I couldn't even get out of bed. Mm. And I had to go through an incredible journey to even find a diagnosis because at that time there were very few doctors here in Seattle who knew anything about Lyme. And I finally um, ended up going back to the East coast where I'm from for my first round of treatment, which mm -hmm. happened in year five of my experience. And, um, I got a little bit better. I, I kind of came back. I was, I was so sick that yeah. I, I couldn't even, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I could barely talk. I could barely remember words. I became dyslexic from the disease. Mm -hmm. And after I did six months of intravenous antibiotic treatment and I, one day I 
sort of went like, wow, I'm back, just, mm-hmm. just mentally back. And following that, I returned to Seattle and I pursued a lot of alternative treatment. Um, I used a Rife machine for a year and a mm. half and that helped a lot. Yep. Um, I started a support group when I returned and that also helped a lot. Um, so I very slowly regained the ability to participate in a part-time way in the life of the world. I would, you know, I literally had to time how long I was leaving my house for and when I would be able to come back without having a relapse. Uh, and this went on for a long time. And it really was through singing that my energy started to increase. I live across the street from the Center for Spiritual Living. And I really didn't know much about them, but one day I felt called to go over there and heard their choir. And some part of me said, wow, maybe I could do that. (laughs) They had a a 90-voice choir. And being a jazz singer, I really didn't have an affinity with singing in a choir because I was the soloist. But I thought, no, I think that could be really good for me. And they invited me to a choir retreat. And there was so much love that I thought, well, I just really want to be part of this group of people. And in the beginning of being in the choir, I literally could only stand up for 20 minutes at a time. And over the course of a year of being in the vibration of the singing and the love of the people, I got to the place where I could stand up and sing through a whole service. And that was an incredible victory for me. And then I started to sing as a soloist. Mm -hmm. And um, the wonderful music director... Eric Odell, oh, yeah. his own church. Yeah. Eric like took me under his wing and said, you need to sing and I'm going to help you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for Eric Odell, I might still be silent because it wasn't um, an automatic thing. I still have had so much inflammation that it was difficult for me to sing and really not fun. And, um, but I had to sing and I did it anyway. And singing in a spiritual environment allowed me to get up and sing for five minutes and then sit down for 20 minutes and then (laughs) get up and sing for five minutes and sit down for 10 minutes. So it was a great way for me to just try to spread my wings and and fly a little bit and um, do it in a way that didn't put me in bed for weeks on end. So I did that for quite a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's only been like fast forward 10 years, which isn't so fast. (laughs) It took about 10 years to find the um, group of treatments that actually lessened the inflammation in my resonators enough to be able to sing with some actual pleasure and ease. And the minute that happened, I said, wow, I'm finishing the CD I never got to finish when I got Lyme. Wow. So I've spent most of this year very slowly spending, you know, three hours here in the studio, two hours here in the studio, um, completing my CD, which is just a dream come true. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is something that uh, I love that we get to talk about in the show today. Uh, For those of you tuning in, uh, we're going to take a short break. I just want you all to listen. We've got a very special format for today. We're going to listen to one of the fabulous tracks. Actually, you're going to get to listen to it while we're out on break. And that track is, uh, well, there's so many tracks, but we're going to be talking about Life Lives Again. 
Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back. For those of you just tuning in, it is so great to have you uh, actually have you join us on this journey. And thank you for all of the emails that you're sending uh, into the show and from, oh my gosh, places around the world where I can't even believe you're even listening to the show. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, Deborah and Mia Shelton joining me here today. And we're talking about not just her music, but what does it feel like, you know, to be living in the world and uh, being told, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, think you got this thing called Lyme disease. Well, we're going to hear her journey, her story. But this is really one of those things where you get to see the beauty and the gift. Uh, I, I want to just ask you, Deborah, we, we just listened to a little bit of Life Lives Again. And I would love for you to share 
that just the title of that alone is enough to really bring tears to your eyes. But tell me about how significant this song, that track is to you and your journey. Well, that song really represents my coming out as a Lyme survivor, who is also a performer. And um, I tried to share the spiritual journey that I've been on living with Lyme all these years, which I believe has been kind of at the core of why I've been able to heal and maintain my sense of wholeness as a human being, despite the fact that my ability to do things I love and to participate in the life of the general population has been very limited by my disease. And um, so I have always loved this ballad by Wayne Shorter, and I decided to write lyrics to it that try to express part of the title. The original title of the song is Infant Eyes. And there was a time in my long journey with Lyme that I kind of had a spiritual awakening, and I saw the world from a very new place. And that title really caught my creative imagination of what is it to have infant eyes, to see the world through new eyes. And for me, part of that was about coming to a place of profound forgiveness of myself and of others and of God for giving me Lyme disease and all the things that I lost and deciding to start again from a clearer, cleaner, more loving place. And when I made that shift, my life started to move again, and I started to feel more alive. And I think that was the moment I went from feeling victimized to feeling like I could be the master of my fate, that I wasn't going to let the disease win, not from an angry kind of place, but from an expansive, loving place, a place that's bigger than the fear and the grief and the anger and uh, the frustration of what it's like to live with Lyme. Mm. And so, um, and also, as I had said before, because I'd been singing in a spiritual setting, this track and the lyrics that I wrote felt like it brought together my life before Lyme and my life after Lyme, that I'm a jazz singer, but I'm Mm. also very spiritual. And I got to put the two together in this song. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me to feel a greater sense of wholeness. Because as many Lyme patients probably feel, my life has been very much defined between the before and the after. And I wanted this CD to try to heal that rift and to make my whole life journey into a wholeness. And that is why it's called In Praise of Wholeness and why, <laughs> yeah, and why the CD has tracks that I recorded before I contracted Lyme and tracks mm-hmm. that I recorded afterward. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is really fascinating. I, I got a couple of emails from a friend of mine in, uh, um, in Massachusetts. And, you know, they're doing the happy dance over there in Massachusetts right now. Because uh, the state of Massachusetts mm-hmm. um, yep. is, uh, yeah, we we changing the law. We're gonna pay. Yep. Uh, we're we're gonna ask the insurance people to pay for Lyme disease treatment. 
um, what they are paying for, from what I understand, and I don't have all the details because I don't think they know, is they're paying for conventional treatment. I want to talk with you a little bit about the long and winding road of Lyme mm-hmm. disease that people may or may not know about. You know, um, you briefly talked about your journey. You moved back east, then you, you know, Seattle and, and, and so forth. And folks don't really understand sometimes how this journey with Lyme disease is really different. And very that's different. what we try yeah. to do. Yeah, it's what we try to do on a show is when well, you say Lyme disease, yeah. it's really different. <laughs> it is really different because there's no one approach to treatment and everybody's um, presentation of symptoms is different. And uh, not, there's, so it's not a like, one one all fix all kind of situation and every patient has to learn by trial and error what they can tolerate and what works for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's incredibly labor intensive and expensive and uh difficult and you know at times i've been like jealous of cancer patients and AIDS patients because they mm-hmm. know what they have to do you know but mm-hmm. we don't have a protocol Mm-hmm. And uh, we, each one of us has to go within and listen to ourselves to figure out what the next step is. And mm-hmm. we also have to connect with other patients to learn about what they've tried and what's new, if there are any new treatments. And so you have to do a lot of research, both online and with people. And it's, it's incredibly time-consuming and terrifying and difficult. Mm-hmm. And I myself have really done the gamut of you know, the mainstream <laughs> IV antibiotics. I did that for six months. Then I did rifing, which was also very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done IVs of um, Argentin. Mm-hmm. I've done artemisinin IVs. I've done homeopathics. I've inhaled Argentin for the swelling of my nose. I've, I've done lots of stuff. And unfortunately, I also have heavy metal poisoning. So mm-hmm. part of my treatment involved going to Germany to do uh, apheresis, which is a treatment where they literally take the blood out of your body and filter it through filters to remove heavy metal poisoning as well as actually Lyme. So I've done yeah. a ton of different, a ton of different things. And unfortunately, I'm still not really well. Mm. So... um that that's how it is. And, you know, when I went to Europe for the apheresis, I met Lyme patients from all over Europe and I was both incredibly heartened and disappointed to see that the European Lyme patients are facing the same situation that we're facing. I kind of was hoping that it would be more advanced over there. Oh no, but it's not, but it's not. And so actually since then I've, I have some pen pals in Europe and we exchange information about different treatments we're trying and different resources. But it's really, unfortunately, an international, you know, brotherhood of Lyme patients. And all of us are fighting to have this disease recognized and understood for what it is. It is a chronic, multi-layered disease and simple I mean, if you're lucky enough to get a rash Mm. and you get antibiotics within two weeks, 
you can get rid of Lyme disease. But if, Mm -hmm. like me, and like most people, you don't get a rash and no one knows what you have and you live with the disease for years, the chances of recovering are very, very slight. And Mm. that is what needs to be researched and taken care of. And we also need better diagnostic tools. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the testing is very inaccurate. And for instance, I'm what they call seronegative. I was tested for Lyme many times with blood tests, and they always came back negative. So I, I couldn't get treated. And it was only when I was really literally almost dead that it came back positive. Mm. And that was four years after I contracted the disease and had come down with full-blown chronic fatigue syndrome and, you know, was bedridden. So Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not the only one, you know, I I know that there are thousands of people just like me, not only all over America, but all over the world because I've met them. Right. And this is real. (laughs) And, We need help. We need resources. We need the government to actually do something about prevention, treatment, and diagnosis. Right. And, you know, if we can make a point about this, um, the the point being, and and this is something that I will talk about, is that uh, conventional treatments by themselves have not been successful. And so this is really a call to action to have the doctors that are out there that are struggling and and trying to figure out how this works to get with some of the best naturopaths on the planet that we have right here in Washington state, a state that refuses to list on their website that Lyme disease is actually a disease in the state. And if these folks would get together, perhaps we would be able to sing some notes like Deborah sings. Which track shall we hear next, Deborah? Well, let me see. Um, well, since we just spoke about my arduous journey, we can yep. listen to a portion of number three, Sojourn. Ah. Uh, I was introduced to the composer of this song, whose name is Kirk Newrock, uh, when I first was terrifyingly thinking about trying to sing again. And he's a fellow who lives in New York City who uh, has a chronic illness. He doesn't have Lyme, but he lived a very vibrant life and then became afflicted with an illness that really curtailed his ability to do everything he did as a conductor and composer and player. And someone thought it would be really good for me to meet him and talk with him. And he had an incredible influence on me. And I think this could be helpful for a lot of patients to hear. He said, well, you know, Picasso is still Picasso, whether you're looking at Guernica in a gallery or you went, you go to the museum shop and you just buy a postcard. So whether you're making art on a very small scale or a very big scale, you're still yourself. The essence is still the same. And that stayed with me. And his song Sojourn was the first piece of music I heard after seven years of it, not even listening to music that I said, oh my God, that song tells the story of my journey because I had to travel cross-country by train from Seattle to New York State Mm. to undergo my treatment. And I didn't know while I was traveling whether my insurance would pay for the treatment, which was about $40,000 at that time, or where it was going to come from. And I, but I, 
I felt like a horse, like I was on the iron horse going across America fighting for my life. And this song kind of carries that feeling of, of an arduous journey. And again, it was the first song I heard that felt like it expressed something about what I had just gone through. Let's do it. And when we come back, we'll talk about what does healing really mean? Why are some people getting well and others not? Do we actually know? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. everybody. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for tuning us in and turning us on. And if you want to find out more about us, you can go to two places. One is you can go to Lime Talk Radio or you can go to Lime Global. And Lime Global is uh, our network that we're in the process of preparing. We've got something very, very cool. 
uh, coming to help educate people about Lyme disease, people of all ages in a really, really fun way. Uh, why? Because sometimes when you're deep in the middle of this disease, it is humor that can help. At least it helped me. Today, we get to chat with Deborah Mia Shelton joining me here today. We're listening to her fabulous music. Uh, and as I've said before, you know, the CD is called In Praise of Whole Notes. Deborah, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us here today. You know, before the break, I talked about healing. Why are some people healing? And I mean literally healing and others really not healing and dying. I mean, that's the nature of, of, of Lyme disease. I mean, it's not one of those diseases where people wonder, how sick am I going to get? I mean, we're, we're kind of figuring that out by now. But this is a spiritual journey for a lot of folks. And I would love for you to talk about what that part of your journey was like for you and how music helped you along with it. Well, the first half of my journey did not include music because I lost the ability to sing and I was in so much grief about losing what I loved to do most in the world, which was sing, that I literally could not even listen to music for about seven years. And that was the time that my spiritual journey was the most profound and intense. So I spent quite a lot of time meditating in silence, doing reading, uh, I joined a Buddhist community, and they had a, a smaller group of people who were all experiencing illness, and we met together. But I think the thing that has, two things have allowed me to heal, and again, I'm going to make a distinction between healing and curing, because mm -hmm. I'm not cured, but I am very healed as a human being, and people, when they meet me, have no idea how sick I am. Um, right. And I think one of the reasons that I have healed a lot is that I don't identify with this disease. I don't let it define me. And um, I've used my, the skills that I had as a jazz singer when I got sick to be able to live creatively with this illness and to have a creative process go on even while I was so sick that I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't sing. So I did drawing, I did collages, and I tried to use a knowing that I have as a jazz musician, which is that if you are present and open, a situation with limiting factors can bring you into a state of freedom. Like when you improvise over chord changes, those are the limiting factors. That's a structure that you're living in. And if you tune into the universe, you can create incredible melodies over those chord changes and feel incredibly free and alive. And I thought, well, how can I do that within the limitations I have as a patient? Like I can only walk from one side of my apartment <laughs> to the other. So mm -hmm. can I, can I do that with beauty? Can I do it with fun? Can I do it with grace? I literally spent years like, okay. Can I imagine here as I'm lying, watching my breath, that I'm lying in the ocean? And what would that feel like? What does it feel like in my imagination to go to the most beautiful places I've ever seen? So I was always kind of dancing with this illness as an opportunity to be creative. 
And that, I believe, is why I've healed, because I didn't allow myself to enter a state of stagnation. And I think, I mean, I've also worked with a lot of um, acupuncturists, and I, for myself, the Lyme created a lot of stagnation in my body. And so as long as I felt that I was moving toward life through being creative, I counteracted that tendency to just settle into the disease and let it decide who I was from its own terms. So I kind of, I don't like to use the metaphor of fought back. Mm -hmm. I think I, I really, I kept my eye on the prize, which was a, I really wanted to be able to sing again and finish the Uh CD. And I wanted to be a creative person, whether I sang or I didn't sing. And so the creative process itself, which is the life process, the healing process, that was part of my life on a daily basis all throughout, even when I was severely, severely limited in what I could do. And, um, and I also believe that my spiritual journey of really asking the universe to show me, well, what do I need now? What is my next step? Who do I need to know? And, and being open and listening, I really was led to angels all mm-hmm. along the way. Not to say that I didn't have periods of incredible darkness and despair, because I did. And I, you know, hated God for a while. I, I didn't understand why I was given the gift to sing and why it was taken away. That was really the hardest, hardest part for me. But as long as I remembered to exercise my essence as an artist in whatever small ways I could, that is what brought me to healing. Mm. You said something really fascinating, and I, I really think it's important to really get back to it. And you talked about expressing yourself. And the reason that that is so important to talk about, because this is a very constrictive illness. And what do I mean by constrictive illness? What I mean by it is one day you can be well, and the next day you have an ankle the size of a grapefruit or or a, a, a soccer ball. Yep. One day you're hiking in the desert, and the next day you literally can't walk. And so when I say restrictive, you know, I'm not talking about the fact that as human beings, we're in a box, this is our human skill, but it it, it will play a trick on our mind to make us think that we're not whole, you know, not like the title of your CD, that we're not whole. And our ability to get back to that place of wholeness is really the journey, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm hearing it in every note of your voice in talking mm. about this today, right? Well, I mean, yeah, this is and, the thing your also, doctor is not going to tell you. Your doctor is not going to tell sure. you this, <laughs> right? That is for sure. And that's why I have wanted to get on a show like yours yeah. and to share with patients uh, this part of the journey because it's not only about, you know, which treatment protocol I should try or not try. Um, Because that's, while it's in your power to choose, your real power comes from within. And for me, I had a turning point. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I co-led a support group for Lyme patients with another patient who was getting bicillin shots in their 
rear end at the same time I was with the same Mm -hmm. doctor. And we decided to band together and explore alternative treatments with a small group of people. Mm -hmm. And um, we ran the group for three years. And interestingly, within two weeks of each other, we got to this place of saying, I don't want to do this anymore because I don't want to identify myself by this Mm -hmm. disease anymore. I want to see how much I can live outside of the shadow of this illness and just be myself. Mm. Mm. And that has been the way I've walked with Lyme now for maybe the last 12 years. And it's not like, you know, I'm feeling great. I've had periods where I've had to go for long, long IVs, you know, twice a week, every week for months (laughs) and months on end. It's not like, but... When people meet me, they have no idea how sick I am because I they don't. refuse I refuse right. mentally and in my heart to be defined by this illness. I have used the illness to transform myself as a human being, and that's been the gift. I have also lost quite a lot, but I don't feel like a victim, and I think that that's a really big distinction. I think a lot of people and understandably feel victimized, not only by the disease itself, but by how our society ignores it and refuses to acknowledge the true nature of Lyme. It is so easy to feel like a victim, but that mm-hmm. does not help you heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, or what didn't happens help me with heal. that? Well, what happens with that level of invisibility is our soul gets wounded. Our That's soul right. gets wounded. And, you know, it hence lies the, the beauty of what your message is here today. And, you know, when we come back from break, uh, we're going to talk about what is the message? Is it the music? Uh, what is the message? You know, why do some of us get out there in the world and do a show like this? And by the way, we did the first Lyme disease show in the world right wow. here first show uh uh yeah limelight radio with katina mattress absolutely the first show nobody wanted to talk about it because isn't this the truth about this deborah it is one of these things that if we would just be quiet and go away then we wouldn't have to shine a light let's take a short break we'll be right back reaching out for one another lover sister brother are a part of Nika's dream to dream cherish a dream we live in a world of such cruel extremes Nika dreams and in her reverie all the world's embraced in love supreme she sees that we are free to build a better Sweet harmony She believes In who we can be Imagining A new destiny She's led by rhythm Into a rainbow world Of sound She moves as one with the dancers All around Great joy abounds Heartbeats and hands Shakes open arms and open minds It's a carnival of people 
people of all kinds And it's where Nika finds her dream is real Music gives her a path to live by the truth that she feels There's a song of unity Beating in our hearts eternally everybody welcome back fabulous cd for those of you out there and praise of whole notes uh deborah mia shelton joining me here today you know a crusader probably be putting it mildly you know when you have a voice and you're speaking out uh against one of the most hideous diseases and yet you try to stay optimistic you try to stay you know in the flow of things and if you read a little bit about deborah she's gotten all the tools certainly if you're hanging out with eric uh, Eric O'Dell, you know, your world is going to change quite a bit. Uh, but more importantly, now you have a voice. Deborah's voice is bigger than the CD in front of me. It is the voice of the millions of people that struggle to find their note in the world. Deborah, thank you again for today. I know there are many things that we could probably talk about, but I would love for you to share the punchline here. You know, what is the note that you'd like to leave us with so that the people listening to this can sing their own song of healing? Well, I'd like to say a few things. Mm -hmm. One is that if you have chronic Lyme, it's a long process and you need perseverance. And one of the upsides of it being a long process is that during the course of your illness, new treatments, new pills, new herbs, new approaches come into development. And so you have more and more options. And the reason I'm saying that is it took 16 years to find the combination of treatments that allowed my nasal passages to become less uh, irritated and inflamed, which allowed me to sing. If I had given up in year 12, if I'd given up in year seven, mm -hmm. I would have never 
never been able to finish the CD, which was my dream, but I kept trying. Now, it's not like I didn't take breaks from looking here and there, but I never gave up. And my message to my fellow Lyme patients is please never give up Mm. because you never know what's around the corner next week, next month, next year. What new thing you can try that may either cure you or alleviate some of the more trying symptoms that you're experiencing. So never give up because you don't know what's around the corner. And the other thing I'd like to say is if you had a dream or a passion that made you feel joyful and alive before you contracted Lyme, see if you can find some way that you can experience that within the limitations of where your body is now. So doing it in a way that doesn't, you know, make you more sick. But finding ways to express or do that activity that makes you feel whole and alive and a sense of joy about Mm. being on the planet. I can't stress that enough that, um, I, again, I had a dream and I fought to make my dream come true. Well, not everybody has a specific dream like making a CD, but if you love gardening, find a way to make a garden in your house if you can't go outside. Or if you love animals and you used to work with animals, see if you could foster a couple of animals in your home or find ways to make your big dream accessible to yourself now in some other format. And another thing I would say is, believe it or not, see if you can be of service to other people in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't tell you what that looks like, but for me, um, getting involved with the choir, I started to volunteer um, to do voice warm-ups for the choir. I've volunteered doing music with Eric's church. Um, I ran a support group for Lyme patients for a while. And uh, I took care of my dad when he was dying. All these things allowed me to feel that I could still make a contribution to the world and that I wasn't the only person suffering and in need. I think that we can get very self-involved in our, our situation because having Lyme often feels so hopeless. Mm-hmm. But there is a bigger world out there and we're still able to be a part of it, even if it's in a small way. And On that note, I would like to invite all the Limeys in the Seattle area to come to my CD release party so that it can be like a little support group for us. Wow. I would love to share my joy with you. So do you mind if I tell people? Please tell them. Yes. Yes. Please tell folks. Yeah. So it's Monday, October 3rd at Tula's Restaurant and Jazz Club, which is on 2nd Avenue in Seattle. It's uh, at 7.30 p.m., and here's the number to call for reservations. It's 206-443-4221. You can also make a reservation online at reservations at tulas.com. And I will be speaking about my journey and celebrating this moment of sweetness at having been able to complete something that I never really knew could happen. And I will be talking about Lyme. And I also want to mention that I'm donating 
half of the proceeds of the CD to four Lyme organizations that I've chosen among the many. Um, and I'm trying to raise awareness among the population about Lyme and how serious an illness it is. So I'm, I'm kind of doing a coming out process myself as a Lyme patient and showing the world of fate, the face of a Lyme patient. Who are we yeah. and what do we look like? Yeah. Well, thank so you. I'd love uh, it. We will I'd love make it. sure we're going to let everybody know about it, by the way. Uh, and we'll be announcing it uh, uh, 24-7 during our the, the Dr. Pat show so that people can get oh, out there and you. understand that together we can do things. We can help each other heal. I want to thank you, Deborah, so much. Thank you for being who you are. And uh, oh, thank you thank for you. keeping the torch burning. Thank you for today. Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. And for all of you out there listening, listen, this is a fabulous CD. You're going to hear lots about it. We're going to be playing it on the Dr. Pat show as well. And what I want to say to all of you out there, you do not have to do this alone. We've got lots mm -hmm. planned to support you, to help you, and to make things better. We'll see you next time.